A clean home is a festive home. Zero Res has a deal for you. $33 per room for carpet cleaning. Schedule at least three rooms and get an extra room clean for free. Schedule with Zero Res today. Call them at 801-288-9376. The Utes are 2-2 two and two now. They take down Colorado. Got a nice win streak going. So, with the Utes rounding into shape, your reaction on a big sports weekend with BYU also winning and picking up their 10th win of the year. Trevor says, bright future for the Utes. Bright future for Ty Jordan. This seems outrageous and totally jumping the gun. And yet at the same time, logic, PK, you love it when I get logical. Ty Jordan's four games into his college career. He's putting up huge numbers. He's at a school that's produced a series of NFL running backs, and their numbers at this point in their career were either match this or, in most cases, were lower than this. I mean, I think they had a J.C. guy in that run, right? Wasn't John White a J.C. guy? Harbor College, the Seahawks. So he doesn't really have a comparison to his freshman year. The point is, you look at what Ty Jordan's done, you look at what these other guys have done, how is Ty Jordan not on that track? And he passes the eyeball test. Uh, It's just that he hasn't done it against weak competition. Yep. That's the only thing. Michael says, Utah won. It's a great day. Kevin says, lots of teams from Utah won. Kevin, it doesn't sound like Michael's worried about all the other teams. Sounds like he's only worried about one of them. Brian says, the Utes are looking good. It's too bad they didn't get more chances this year. Obviously, for everyone. Yeah. Who can get more chances. Yeah, absolutely. That's just the the, the typical Pac-12 mismanagement. We could spend the rest of the show lining up all the stuff we don't understand. Hell, I could spend the rest of my life. All the I'm head gonna scratchers. Live, I'm going to live a long time, brother. <laughs> well, I hope I didn't just jinx myself. No, nah, I think you're more likely like my <laughs> wife's grandmother. I'm going to live a long time. And then her kid, my wife's mom. Yeah. <laughs> that, that anger, that bitterness. <laughs> you are too bitter to die. Yeah, I got uh, longevity in the genes, that's for sure. Yeah. My wife doesn't, but I do. Yeah, but maybe modern medicine should beat the odds. Who knows? None I hope us, so. None of us that's, know, right? That's what I want to have happen. <laughs> I love the old broad. <laughs> Brady says, that was a great win, and the Utes are going to be really good next year, and the year after, and the year after. He's, he's got three good years. He likes the freshman class. Why stop at three? Well, I, this is a fact that the classes have improved. I don't know about this year because this year is so crazy, but I know that Kyle will say it has and it will, and signing day is Wednesday, and I asked him last week. He said he hopes to sign 17. they got a kid coming back from a mission. They've got a lot of young players. So three years, and and really with any program, that's about as long as you can go. If you want to go on rep, like Alabama figures to be good four years from now because they've got all sorts of rep, obviously. Uh, So you can do that, I understand. But three years is about as long as you can go, given the nature of the situation of kids coming and going. And, yes, I would agree. The The only downside of this abbreviated season is the fact that it is abbreviated of course but there's nothing they can do about that is that cam rising is not getting an opportunity and that that's it everything else 
is a positive. And having Clark Phillips get beat, that's a positive. Having Ty Jordan fumble, that's a positive. <laughs> because do it now. Uh, it, they're virtually practice games. There, there is no – I'm just not getting into it. Of all the conferences, the Pac-12 has the least credibility in terms of, well, SC is not going to get in and blah, blah, blah. And you just didn't play enough games. And so with that in mind – you're getting you're getting scrimmages that are played like real games. And so they're getting great experience that obviously will only benefit them for next season. So the only downside is rising isn't getting this opportunity. If that that would have been great if he would have gotten to play and work through his mistakes, just like Clark Phillips getting beat, just like Ty Jordan fumbling. They got a couple of freshmen on the offensive line. That this is awesome. In that regard, if you want a silver lining, this is it to set it up for next season. The thing is, and then the season after that, sure. The thing is, the quarterback play is such a big part of every team. It's the only question mark, but it's a huge question mark. It is, but at the same time, it's also uh, quarterback is the ultimate, most important position, but it's also like the least important for Utah compared to other schools. Because they don't ask him to do a whole lot. Well, I would just say, yes, I get where you're going with that, and there's some truth to it. I don't think that they need really good quarterback play to be a good 8-9 win team. We've seen them win 8-9 games with iffy quarterback play and with a guy guy learning on the job, essentially. But the Ute fans are craving a conference championship. I don't even know – I can't say the number of wins doesn't matter. Yeah, right. You're right. Uh, ask Texas, right? Um, but the thing is, I think they will need pretty good quarterback play to win the conference championship. And so that's to your point of, you know, the mistakes, the getting tricked by uh, a defense that uh, gives him a pre-snap look and then changes it, you know, and he throws a pick because he didn't quite see what they were up to. That's the kind of stuff you wish he was getting under his belt now. Yeah, I, and I understand that, but pretty good quarterback play for Utah has a different definition than pretty good quarterback play for SC. Absolutely. SC, Two different the, things. The way they're playing right now, SC's quarterback needs to throw for a uh, minimum 300 yards and three touchdowns, and maybe needs to throw for more than that. But for Utah right now, if, you, if I told you a Utah quarterback went uh, uh, 20 of 28 for 240 yards, two scores, and no picks, you would say, oh, Utah won the game. Every single time. Right, clearly. Clearly. Well, the yeah. way their defense plays now, USC's defense is over there. They're in a forty-three thirty-eight shootout. You know that's a uh, USC quarterback's got to play at a different level because of the way UCLA is going up and down the field on them. Well, Just, and also too, they they de-emphasize the run now with Graham yeah. Harrell. That could change over time. It probably will at some point. But you look at the two places in the division where you don't need outstanding quarterback play. It's Utah and Tempe. And look at their two coaches. They're defensive-oriented guys. There it is. <laughs> so, Herm has built uh, his whole career was based on defense, and he brings in Marvin Lewis. Defense, you know what I mean? Guys, sixty some years old, they they can they can coordinate a defense in their sleep, and and you look at their three games. They've played very good defense <laughs> in all three of the games. Same thing with the Utes. So you don't need that great a play. And I don't know that you're ever going to get that great a play. Even if you have that great a quarterback, I don't know that they'll unleash him to where he'll be doing that anyway. 
So rising, it's not like if he it's a complete waste next year. So I, I can't say that, uh, but it's just a shame. And it's a shame for the kid because he doesn't get to play. Any injury for a college kid for anybody is a shame. That keeps you out the season. It sucks in all levels, right? It's just that's the truth. But I think that they can overcome it next season. And there are all these young kids getting so much experience here. And we're going to be back in two years where we were last year going into the season. And that's a good thing. And this 2022 is going to come. So just keep the faith. It's not bad now. But it's going to get better. All right, DJ and PK, let's take an early break here. We got Kyle Winningham coming up, and sometimes he starts early, and that always makes Yach nervous. So, Yach, you want to go to break? Yes, let's do it. All right, we'll break now. Kyle Winningham is coming up next. Hear his thoughts on the uh, the win over Colorado now that he's seen the tape, and look ahead to Washington State. DJ and PK, it's ninety seven five at twelve eighty the zone. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Coming up at 9.05, Darnell Dixon, BYU columnist and writer for the Daily Herald, is going to join us, and we'll talk about the uh, the win over San Diego State and the bowl bid and the game coming up with UCF in Boca Raton, Florida, on the 22nd. That's with Darnell at 9.05. Kyle Whittingham, Utah football coach, is about to have his weekly availability here momentarily, and we will hear from him. And PK... So uh, the hair is not getting cut anytime soon, no matter what Urban Meyer says on the Fox Post Game Show. I don't think so, man. Not in my uh, communication. Because I said, "What the hell?" At this point, man, let's just uh, <laughs> part it down the middle and uh, and pretend we're back in the seventies. <laughs> Tom Petty, because <laughs> he and I share a few things in common. And you've seen some pictures of me back in the day. Oh, epic. <laughs> epic hair. Holy cow. Yeah, I used to get a haircut maybe twice a year. That was pretty much it. But everybody did back then, so it's not like I was that different. I think mine was a little bit longer than most folks. Uh, that's because my parents didn't pay for haircuts. I had to pay for it myself. <laughs> so... So, I, I, uh, once I hit 16, whatever I wanted, it was coming out of my own pocket, <laughs> which is why I have, uh, I've literally been employed, uh, every day, thankfully, by the way, uh, every day since I was uh, 16. Uh, and very grateful for that, for sure. That wasn't a head of hair, that was literally a mane. The well, lion's mane. For Free whatever flowing. reason. My hair grows very thick. Now, my uh, my stylist gal, uh, great sports fan, Trudy's her name, uh, she got COVID, so she was down a couple of weeks. And so uh, we had to reschedule, and I went in last week, and she's just, do you see how long this is? <laughs> <laughs> and it gets very thick. Uh, Chris Hill once told me, he said, man, you've, that, that, that helps you look younger. I said, yeah, that's sweet. <laughs> my, father, my father had a full head of hair right until the end, and it and it didn't even it never turned gray until the end. Yeah. So yeah, that's what he's talking about, Kyle. Maybe he's going to do it. It'd be awesome if he did. All right, here's Kyle Whittingham meeting with the media. Go ahead, Coach. Okay, proud of our guys uh, the way they hung in there on Saturday. Uh, overcame an eleven point second half deficit, which was 
good to see uh, offense came alive in that second half. Uh, we scored 28 points, and uh, it was enough enough for the victory. And so uh, that was a positive. Defense played well, start to finish, wasn't perfect. Gave up a few things. That first play of the second half was was uh, a big one that we that we uh, let get away from us. But when you look at the uh, defense overall, I believed going into the game, the biggest factor and key to winning, uh, other than the turnover margin, was our rush defense taking away their uh, rush offense. And, and that's what we were able to do. We were able to hold, hold them uh, what, less than half of their average. And the back that had gone for 300 plus the week before uh, held him to under 100, I believe it was somewhere in the 80s. And so that was the biggest factor, in my opinion, that. Uh, and the reason that we were able to uh, to get the victory. So uh, it's on to uh, Washington State and uh, you know, spread offense, uh, mobile quarterback, uh, dangerous receivers, really good core receivers, and uh, playing uh, you know hard on defense. So so that'll be uh, the last uh, regular season game, and, and we'll get prepared for that. We understand it's 11:30 kick, so that's a great time to uh, to kick off and. And uh, weather, who knows? It doesn't matter. Just deal with whatever we got to deal with. So, questions? With Trevor Allen from KSLSports.com. Follow. Kyle, you you and uh, uh, Britt, Britt and Cubby mentioned on on Saturday that you know there's there, there's kind of being worn out. You know, guys are and uh, you know coaches are just from what's going on in this season. If you guys. Uh, you know, win on Saturday. Are you guys still wanting to play in a uh, in a bowl game? Good question. That'll be uh, really, in my opinion, up to the players. We'll uh, we'll talk about that when the time is right, and uh, if they're up for it and want to do it, and we you know have got the, the the record we need to have. Obviously, we got to win. Then uh, then we'll move forward. And if they uh, feel like enough's enough, then we won't. And so, to me, they're going to handle that. Uh, within themselves i'm not gonna and i'll back them either way they want to go whatever our players choose is uh is what uh, is what we'll go with next we'll go to josh newman salt lake tribune followed by steve bartle from utezone.com hey kyle good morning how are you good thank you so appreciate it um Devin Lloyd is josh, right this is josh okay <laughs> sorry go ahead josh it's all good um Devin Lloyd's um, Devin Lloyd this morning was named a finalist for the Buckus Award. Obviously, that's a you know that's a top honor at his position. How how difficult is it to get that type of notoriety when you've only played four games? Yeah, uh, very difficult. And obviously, some of the uh, notoriety he's getting was based on last year's performance because he played very well at last season. But uh, he's been a, a just a mainstay for us this year making a bunch of tackles. Him and Nephi Sewell are one and two on the team in tackles. And uh, Devin's been extremely productive last year, carrying into this year. Uh, he's a talent. He's got uh, everything you look for in a, in a middle linebacker. He's got six foot three and 235 pounds and runs uh, four, five, something 40. And uh, he's a student of the game. He, he's got a burning desire to be great. And uh, he's put in the time and the work and the effort ever since he got here, and now it's paying off for him. So proud of him, and, and great to see him on that uh, short list of Butkus Award finalists. Next, we'll go to Steve Bartle, followed by Patrick Kinahan. Morning, Coach. Morning, Steve. 
<laughs> uh, wanted to ask you, it, it seemed like the offensive line was able to get a little bit more push when Braden Daniels entered uh, entered the game. He It seemed like uh, Keaton Bills just struggled for whatever reason, but Braden Daniels, just inserting him into the offensive line seemed to spark some things. What did you make of his play and, and, and his impact on the game? Well, Braden came in and did a nice job, and, and Keaton Bills is a good player, and we're not uh, by any means down on Keaton. It was just something that Jim Harding saw and thought would be uh, uh, give us a little boost. We were getting a little bit of uh, penetration on that side, so Braden came in and and did a nice job. And of course, he had uh, he's had a bunch of starts under his belt, so he's not a he's not new to to uh, getting extensive playing time. He started pretty much all last year, so him and Keaton are, are uh, two really good players, and uh, it'll be a battle this week to see which one gets the nod, but. Uh, you're right. We did have a little bit of a spark when, when Braden went in and, and we're able to uh, get more done in the run game. Next, we'll go to Patrick Kinahan, 12-8 of the zone, followed by David James. What's Cam Risen doing at this point to make sure it's not a total waste of time for him? <laughs> well, he's uh, he came off a successful surgery. He's in rehab. Uh and getting, uh, you know, doing everything he can uh, with the shoulder and, and getting, you know, getting uh, or going through the normal rehab process. He's finished up his academics this semester and uh, all indications are he had a very good semester uh, with his grades. And so he's, uh, he's a kid that's making the most of, of uh, his time. He's not just sitting around doing nothing. He's got a, a lot of desire and, and uh, wants to get back. And now this is going to be an extensive rehab time. It's not something that will most likely will not allow him to be uh, participating in spring ball. So he's got a, a long road ahead of him, but uh, he's determined and got the right attitude. And so we expect him to make a full recovery. That's our hope. And who cares what Urban Meyer says, right? Well, I care. He's a good, he's good. <laughs> I mean, about your hair. Yeah, some higher comment. We talked about that after the game. So. <laughs> Next, we'll go to David James from KUTV and 12A to the zone. Kyle, 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 Kyle. Can you talk about Ty Jordan's blocking? Yeah, I think there's a lot of reverberation that you said Ty Jordan's blocking. Was that the question? A comment on that? Yes. Yeah, okay. Ty Jordan has gotten better and better at picking up blitzes, and he did a fine job in the game Saturday and, and had some key pickups. Uh, he's still got a ways to go. But uh, he's worked hard at that, and, and Coach McDonald, his position coach, has done a, a good job schooling him up and getting him uh, tuned into the protections. And he's made he's come a long ways in uh, in the short time that he's been here in that regard. And obviously, you see what he does for us in the run game. He's he's a tremendous player, and so he's uh, got a desire to be a complete back. And a complete back has to pick up pressures, and he's got to be able to catch the ball out of the backfield. And Ty Jordan is is uh, doing all those things right now. Our next question will come from Trevor Allen, KSLSports.com, followed by Steve Bartle of Ute Zone. Kyle, over the last two games, I mean, obviously going into the year, you you actually had four, four backs, and then you know it, it kind of seems like you guys have kind of dwindled the list down. Is that is that kind of what it is? You know, where you guys are working maybe two or, or three guys compared to four? Well, it has pared down. Uh, Jordan Wilmore uh, had an injury a few weeks back, which has slowed him down. Uh, but Ty Jordan's emergence. Uh, has really given him the, the the lion's share of the work the last couple of weeks, and uh, he's he's doing a great job. He's averaging over seven yards a carry, and so he's 
he's been a, a big plus for us. Um, Kai Bernard is also doing some good things. But, uh, you know, we've got four backs. Uh, you know, who knows if if we'll be able to hang on to them all. You know, when, when you have freshmen that rise up and, and uh, do well, upperclassmen sometimes uh, you know, get the notion that maybe they're – they're not in the plan, so we'll see what happens with that position. But we really like the position. We got we got four guys that we're confident in right now, and we'll just see uh, what direction things go. Next, we'll go to Steve Bartle from Mute Zone. Coach Blake Keithy uh, got his first action of the season and of his career, basically. How I guess was that rewarding in any sense to you to see him actually take the field? Very much so. He's had a long, hard road since he's got here with injuries. Uh, he's overcome each one and in their major injuries, not, not just uh, nagging little things. It's been significant injury and he's come back and, and uh, is it a, in a place right now where he's ready to help us. And you saw him get his, you're right. It's his first collegiate uh, snaps and did a good job. He graded out pretty good. And, and uh, he's a really good player when he's, when he's completely healthy, which he's just about there now. He's uh, he's got a lot of ability and, Hopefully, going forward, he's able to stay healthy and, and continue to contribute. Our next question will come from Josh, Josh Newman of the Salt Lake Tribune. Kyle, the offseason with the transfer portal is generally pretty chaotic anyway. Um, with the one-time transfer exemption likely getting pushed through in January, do you expect the offseason to be even more chaotic now? Absolutely. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, What's, you know, these guys got to be careful they're going to the portal because the opportunities are not, you know, there's not a, a, enough scholarships available and opportunities to satisfy everyone that goes into the portal. And so you got to be uh, smart and, and uh, think things through. But to answer your question, I don't think there's any doubt that uh, you're going to see much more movement and activity than in years past. But again, the, the portal is going to be saturated and, and, uh, We'll just see how it all shakes out. Okay. okay. Anything else for the coach? All right. Thanks, guys. All right. There's Kyle Whittingham meeting with the media there. And uh, I guess we're going to hear from him several times this week, Yak was uh, saying. He'll have another session tomorrow, and then signing day is Wednesday. So we'll hear from him Wednesday on signing day. So if you're a youth fan, keep it tuned. We've been Aaron Kyle uh, every week. Here in the mornings on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I like the adjustment from the 11 and 12 o'clock press conferences that he's held in years past. 8 a.m., 8.30 a.m. It works. All right, so he talks to Urban. We know that. Post-game phone call from Urban after Urban got a huge laugh on TV. <laughs> uh, I'm not so sure that's what he meant by we talked after the game. Oh, really? I think there might have been somebody else that may have talked to him after the game about the hair comment. Okay. Uh, that would be me. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching the pregame shows, and uh, Urban was the only one who thought the Utes were going to do it. And he said, I'm biased. Those were his words. But uh, everybody on ESPN thought it was going to be Colorado, and everybody else on the Fox well, said thought it would be Colorado. And Urban but, said, Kyle's going to have a game plan. And then Kyle's game plan is like, well, it's a game plan they always have. I know. <laughs> We're going to stop the run. We're going to make them one-dimensional. And the, and the broadcasters on the game were laughing about it. They had to, they had their Zoom meeting with him. And he's like, guys, you know, it's not the first Utah game they've called, so they've had these conversations before. You know, Gus Johnson was on the call with, uh, with Klatt, and, yeah, they were laughing about it. Like, Kyle's pretty predictable. 
Well, we got 30 years of evidence. <laughs> I know, right? This is, he's coming up on his 200th game as the Utes head coach. How many game plans didn't involve with, we're going to stop the run? And he's right. You know, I mean, they, they got a, Colorado's got a back putting up huge numbers, and they held him at 80 yards. So. And that's what's so awesome about Utah. And that, that's what I say. People get frustrated. You just be, you better be awfully careful, man. You, you should be grateful. You haven't gotten in this cycle that Arizona's in right now. And we've seen this cycle. And look what Arizona does. Greg Hansen uh, is their columnist. He's been down to Tucson for, I think, since 84. I want to say he's 70 years old. Utah State grad. We've had him on the air. Yep. But I read his stuff uh, because I have a natural interest, and plus it's for work. He's talking about how you look at what Arizona has done. They hire these big-name guys who've been fired, and it doesn't work. Makovic fired at Texas. Richrod fired at uh, Michigan. Someone fired at AM. And it doesn't work. And they're in this perpetual five-year recycle, rebuild thing. Now, it didn't even last three years with someone. It's 70-7. to seven. I mean, come on. Against your rival, no less. I mean, uh, and he's owing and he's owing three against the rival, and they got a twelve yeah. game losing streak. Right, they're not. And he's even, been a disaster media wise. Yeah, they're not even competing. He he makes no. That's why BYU better be careful here. It's another story. They better be careful. And we're going to post something here. Yach's going to post it at twelve eighty thezone dot com. KSL will have it. Uh, be careful on this, guys. And I talked to somebody last night, and oh my gosh. Well, we'll see what happens here. But as far as Utah goes. You're not in that perpetual rebuild building because once you hire a coach, he starts talking about, "Wow, you know, we need some time." He's like, "Oh my gosh, what are you? Ta- I'm I'm one day closer to death, and you need more time. Are we ever going to get it going on here?" And with Utah, you've had it going on, and Colorado, this kid's going to rush for a thousand yards. Nah, he ain't even going to get to 100 against Utah, and you three of your four defensive linemen are playing in the NFL. And and, uh, linebackers, NFL, all your DBs, NFL. The kid didn't even get to friggin' 100. And it was like Darrell waved the white flag right from the start. They didn't even give him the ball in the first possession, if I remember correctly. Nope, it was a real slow start for the running game. And I just thought, hey, they think Utah's geared up for this. They're going to try and counterpunch here. And and they they got one score early, but that was it. You know, they, they hit on a big pass play, but they turned it over right away, so they didn't cash in on that. There were some big pass plays to be made. They thought, hey, we don't really want to go at the strength of the team. Let's go at that young secondary. You hit on a big pass play, but then you turn it over. Then you do hit, and you get a touchdown. But they never yeah, really got it going. Yeah, when we come back next season, the young secondary, you know what they're not going to be? They're not going to be young. They're just going to be really good. Right. <laughs> that, that's where this is going. And so just line up the latest – uh, guys with a bunch of vowels up front and watch them go to work. You know they're going to. I don't even know who they are. But I, there, there's somebody in the 10th grade right now who's going to be a great defensive lineman at Utah. I don't know who it is. Well, I, I, the only reason I would be. say not is by, by the time that 10th grader, I mean, you're going out a few years, and how long is Kyle going to do this? You know, if he chooses, and, and you've been at the forefront, and you've set it for a long time, you don't want to establish a timeline, and, and it's dangerous because he, all he has to do is change his mind. You know, it could be 100% true now, 
but he changes his mind. And so it's just how long does he want to do it? Because when he goes, everything can change. We don't know who the next guy will be. Someone out of his coaching tree might sustain it, and it might keep rolling. You know, There are examples over college football history where that happens, but there's also college football history that says yeah, when, yeah, when a guy who does the 200 games and has a really good run leaves that everything, it turns out it's not the logo and it's not the letters on the jersey. It was the head coach slash CEO. Well, if I could have one wish in life, is that Frank Cush never grew old. Right. (laughs) 115-year-old Frank Cush was seen stalking the sideline, cussing at players. In other news, the Devils won their 18th straight game today. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, the world was different back then. We understand all that. But, yeah, I, I get your point. But I'm telling you right now, the day that Kyle leaves, you have Frank Melee. Okay, so funny story about that while well, you're being humorous. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so goes together, we, all, we all talked to a lot of people this weekend because everybody's trying to figure out what was said on the Zoom call, right? And so we're all talking to people who have some access to the situation. And one of the things I heard... And I haven't heard this from Frank, and I can't guarantee you it's going to play out. And I don't have two sources on this. I have one. So, full disclosure. One source, Frank's lawyered up. And don't be surprised if he ends up coaching in-state. The coaching tree we were talking about, you were, you were talking about how McBride knew on Friday. He said he knew three days earlier, and the Zoom call was literally on Tuesday. Yeah. Okay, so it's a coaching tree, and all these guys have relationships. Now, they all don't have, um, you know, day-to-day communication with each other. But there's links and relationships. You know, Kyle worked for uh, Mac. Gary Anderson is tight with Mac. Frank is tight with Gary. Frank has a reputation as a really good recruiter. Uh, we know that the players on the phone call, we know from the player's statement, players of multiple races and multiple religions were all on the phone call and have a tremendous amount of loyalty to Frank. That speaks to his ability to recruit kids and then to bond with them once they're on campus. And those are two different things, and not everybody's good at both. But that speaks to that. And I've been told, don't su- be surprised, because we know, obviously, Kalani worked for Kyle. I mean, you just keep going. There's all these relationships. Don't be surprised if Frank ends up in state. Don't be surprised if he ends up on the youth staff. It's not done. Can't guarantee it. Don't be surprised. So everyone just write that down, put that over on the side, and see how that goes. Well, Frank's been coaching for many, many years now, so he'll have a job in coaching. And he... You know, we we have confirmation that he's gotten a lawyer in this situation. So obviously, this we're just barely getting to the beginning of this story, and I don't know how it's going to turn out, which direction it's going to go. But man, sports! You know, I was thinking about this. I know we got to go to break, but I, I got to say something. Uh, why don't we wait? I'll come back, and and, and I really wanted to say something in relation to this Frank Miley situation. So I'll say it when we come back. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Let's go! The Big Show. It's a big deal!
with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. It's Football Friday on the Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, Alema Harrington, Coach Ron McBride. Utah State's players voted not to play at Colorado State Saturday because of comments they said were made by USU President Noel Cockett about her concerns with interim coach Frank Miley's religious and cultural background. I can't even imagine a president of a university making a statement like that. That is just really very disappointing. If the player's interpretation is correct, this is absolutely intolerable. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Well, the thing is, three days ago, I heard the same thing, but I didn't want to repeat it on the radio. The Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. And now, really? your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend. Second and five at the 47. Roethlisberger takes a shotgun snap. Going to throw it. Fires it. Is picked off. Intercepted by Terran Johnson in midfield. Running down the right sideline. He's going to score. He's going to score. Touchdown, Buffalo. Touchdown, Terran Johnson. Ah, Taron Johnson, the former Weber State Wildcat. Huge pick six. The Buffalo Bills beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, and it was a pretty convincing win, too. Steelers now picking up their second loss after that long win streak, 11 straight to open the season, and the Bills are coming. The Bills look like they're going to win the division. Maybe they'll catch the Steelers and have home field if those two meet again in the playoffs. All right, that's the Chevy Strong play of the game. Know it today at 450 on the big show, and you can win fabulous prizes. All right, PK, you had a tease. There was something you wanted to say about the situation at Utah State. Yeah, we live in a world that is so divisive and divided along racial lines, and now you want to throw in religious lines. And one of the things that I've always taken great comfort in, in my experience working in the sports business for many, many years now, is that it is about the sports and Nothing really matters. It's about the team. And so who you are doesn't matter. What you look like, what your background, it's about are you a player? Are you good enough to help us win? And the great thing about it is that these young men and women, whoever they might be, when they get in these situations, you take Utah. Just use Utah as an example. Utah State, whatever. You can use any example. That... They bring together kids from all different backgrounds, and they bring their experiences with them. So if you're a, a Britain Covey who grew up in Utah County, you get to interact from somebody with somebody who went to Crenshaw, like a Dominic Hatfield. And there's your opportunity to get to learn what Dominic Hatfield has been through, what he's grown up with. You know, and I've been to Crenshaw, and my wife taught at uh, Washington, which was in the same league, basically down the road from uh, Crenshaw. Go look at my Instagram page. I put a picture of her up when she coached the volleyball team at Washington High. Uh, Obviously, she's the only Caucasian in the picture. They're all African-American. And you get that experience. And once you get those experiences, then when those people speak out about whatever experiences they have, you're going to believe them because you trust them. They're your teammates. And so it really bothers me that somebody would think religion should play into it. And I was watching the beatdown Friday night with the Sun Devils and the Wildcats, right? And towards the end of the game, the Sun Devils have this walk-on. He's uh, a native of China. Now, his last name is He, H-E. 
he Americanized his first name. They call it's him Jackson. Huh, actually, PK. Well, they, they, the announcers pronounce it he, but uh, huh, okay. The uh, the uh, they decided to call him Jackson because he was a fan of Michael Jackson's. Right? He gets in the game and he scores a like a one or two yard run for a touchdown, and the bench goes nuts. All these African-American guys, these Polynesian guys, these Caucasian guys, they feel like it was their metaphorical brother who scored. And at that point, he's Chinese. You're fill-in-the-blank. It doesn't matter. He's your teammate. He slashed your brother. That's what matters. And we're seeing that with Utah State. And it didn't matter what Frank's religion was, and it doesn't matter what my teammate's is. That's that is my football brother, man, and I hope that maybe in my Pollyannish life that that's the one place where we don't have to deal with this stuff and this strife that we constantly have to deal with all the time um, is on the field on the court. I'm supposed to be Mr. Good News now. I'm going to screw it up, aren't I? But I think really the young men, the young women—that's the way they think. I think that for um, there are a lot of situations where that is true. And I think that it goes back to the point you were making earlier, uh, you know, three months ago when we were talking about the NBA playoffs and we were four months ago, whatever it was, and we were talking about Black Lives Matter on the court and, and the way guys interact. And you said, if we're really going to solve this, you have to get down to the individual level. You get a, right down into the grassroots, people interacting with each other and getting to know each other. And sports is one way you can do that. There are others, but that is one. But that way is televised. And so when a guy who's allegedly too small to play football and when he's had to overcome a bunch of serious injuries and all his teammates have seen him working and rehabbing and not having any of the fun and doing all of the grind, when Britton Covey finally gets to the end zone, look at how the whole team runs to him. I mean, everybody in that color jersey is flocking to him because they saw how hard he worked. So, yes, that's there. But at the same time, you know, it, it is a little on the Pollyannish side because it doesn't escape sports. I mean, we have seen plenty of strife in sports. There are still issues just to stick with college football, you know. What does an African-American have to do to get a chance to coach a team or to get a second chance to coach a team? There are examples, and as you pointed out, Sumlin is uh, successful at Houston, not at A&M, and now not at Arizona. Um, but there are still guys who have to take awful jobs because it's the only job they could get. And you know, and then it's, it's even you know, from a GA to a position coach and a position coach to a coordinator, and those issues are not tracked the same way head coaching jobs are and the way athletic director jobs are. So... It's not perfect, but no. There are there are good moments out there. I'm talking about teammates, young men, young women. So then they can whatever misconceptions they had, they can see it firsthand. If you want to know about a black person's experience, what's and you're a white person, what's the best way? Get to know some black people. Bring them into your home. Uh, go on uh, dinners with them. Golf with them. Whatever it might be, get to know them as human beings. That's the way to do it. And if you get, a, if you're fortunate enough to play college athletics, you get that opportunity. And how cool is that? DJ and PK. When we come back, Darnell Dixon, BYU columnist and writer for the Daily Herald. Cougars are going to the Boca Raton to play a bowl game against UCF. We'll talk with him about that next. Stay with us.